From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me again is Kelly Madrick, who covers the appropriations process for CQ. Thanks for being here, Kelly. Hi, David. So the House and Senate get back to work this week with precious little time left to finish spending bills for the new fiscal year that begins on October 1st. Although both chambers have made significant progress in passing their respective versions of some of the 12 annual bills that fund the government, none has won final approval yet. So, Kelly, are we looking at another government shutdown come the end of the month? Well, given that it's a midterm year, I think a shutdown is still pretty unlikely. This is a time when the Republican majority wants to show the American people that they can govern, and a shutdown right before voters head to the polls would say the exact opposite. That's unless Trump makes good on his threat to block spending unless he receives money for a border wall. But in that case, I mean, the House hasn't even really reached any level of compromise with the Senate on the Homeland Security Bill where the funding would be. Um, And so even if they get progress done on the nine bills that have gone through the Senate, like on the floor passage, even if they were to conference all of those, they'd need a stopgap for something. Again, the Senate's gotten nine of the 12 appropriations bills funding the government across the floor. Uh, But that's that's a pretty big number compared to the House, which still has a bunch of uh, bills that they've marked up at a committee that have gone nowhere um, when it comes to the biggest the biggest risk of a shutdown would come from President Trump himself if he really wants to play his border wall to the mat and, and insist on funding that before anything else. But congressional leaders seem determined to shelve that bill for a while. Right. It doesn't seem like this is the right time to have that kind of fight because it's a fight between Republicans. I mean, Democrats are totally against the wall no matter what. So if you want to get Republicans behind the idea, I mean, I just recently spoke with Senator Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia. She's the Homeland Security Subcommittee Chair on the Senate Appropriations Committee. She told me that, you know, there's this $5 billion figure floating around for the wall. She says that hasn't even really been settled. They're still negotiating. She's hoping for floor consideration of her bill, but that hope is diminishing. So things sound like they're heading toward this kind of stopgap train that we always end up getting on in September. And so that's going to be another thing to watch. But I don't see a lot of action on the wall right before uh, Election Day. Okay, so the Homeland Security bill is going to be postponed for a while. Which bills are likely to get done on time? There's a push from lawmakers to express a lot of confidence in this three-bill package. That's the fiscal 2019 Energy, Water, Legislative Branch, Military Construction, VA bills. Military construction VA is always a very popular bill to pass because it includes funding for veterans as well as construction projects for military facilities across bases across the country, providing members of Congress this type of parochial uh, thing they can hang their hat on, like I got money for X dollars for rebuilding the base in my district or whatever. Um, Conference meeting is reported. We reported that it could happen uh, this week. But there's, you know, um, there's still a lot of issues to be worked out, uh, and there's a lot of other things on the legislative agenda, including things like reauthorizing the FAA, 
maybe okay, dealing but even, with flood even, insurance, so much stuff. Even to do this three-bill package you're talking about, there's still a big sticking point even on that one, which is probably the easiest package of all to pass. Yeah, and it's a pretty thorny issue, and it has to do with paying for private care for veterans. I feel like we were back here a few weeks ago talking about this issue, and really not a lot has changed. The one thing I thought was pretty interesting was while the House was in recess, Senator John Tester Montana the top uh, veterans authorizer in the Senate on the Democratic side, uh, said that he thought that the solution, um, again, there's a there's a budget deficit right now to pay for private care in both the House or in the Senate bill. And in the House bill, they just added a billion dollars to the bill to try to make up this shortfall in private care for veterans under this new law that they passed, trying to consolidate and kind of streamline veterans access to the private market. But the Senate has had this ongoing budgetary battle where they want some kind of carve out for all the programs that were authorized under this new law, which wasn't just private care, like at private facilities, but also really expensive care for caregiving for veterans who were like, you know, dealing with terminal diseases and other type of like really care intensive medical issues. And so how the Senate and the House hash out this difference. Senator Tester said, oh, we're just going to use emergency funds to pay for that. And immediately, people from the majority swiped back at that comment. Tester's own staff said, actually, that's not accurate, you know, even though he said it, <laughs> that yeah. actually the issue is we're still in negotiation. So they are still down to the wire on how to solve a $1 billion problem. And that's a that's really small amount of money compared to the rest of the stuff in the bill, you know. So that's a key sticking point for that package. Even if they get that package done, could we see other bills get done this month? Yeah, so it's focus on these nine bills. And, and one of the big, the big one is for the labor, HHS, and defense bills, the fiscal 2019 measures. Um, they're really, Republicans are always eager to get a defense bill passed. It's their number one priority. But the Democrats usually fight back by saying, no, you need to pay it equal attention to domestic priorities, to non-defense priorities. So the Republican conference in the Senate joined together the defense and labor bills, passed it across the floor. Um, and Speaker Ryan last week um, in a conference call with his fellow Republicans said, hey, we're going to go to conference with the Senate on this defense labor HHS bill. But there are some real differences between the two chambers on those bills. I mean, when it comes the, the to... The House hasn't even passed a labor HHS bill. No, they haven't passed it off the floor. So that's not really regular order. But, you know, whatever they're going to say about it, they're going to go to conference, which I guess is more regular order than springing an omnibus on somebody or springing a conference or springing a labor H defense bill onto the floor, you know. So so we're going to kind of compress the labor HHS debate in the House into this leadership level conference. But, you know, they can point to the Senate side and say, hey, we had floor consideration of both bills. Even there, though, you look at the way that the House deals with Title, title 10 family planning, totally different than the Senate. You look at the way that, um, you know, the House has included a provision in the LHHS bill to repeal um, this very controversial immigration ruling known as the Flores decision, which dictates how minors can be detained in immigration facilities. Um, those are sweeping changes to immigration law that's a real uh, flashpoint for Democrats. And so that also, uh, you know, presents a potential issue in getting through conference. But there is um, a real sense of earnest determination to try to get these bills through conference. How much of that is just posturing 
in the preview of an election season, we, we will find out in September. Yet the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell seemed pretty optimistic last week that Congress could get three major spending packages done this month to fund the government on time. Yeah. You think he's right? I mean, that would be a heavy lift, but he is definitely resolved. There's only 11 legislative days left when that both chambers are in session before October 1st. So more that's work. not much time. Yeah, and then more work has to be done to reach the compromised versions of both of these bills. And so it, it really seems unlikely that we're going to get all of these enacted in a regular fashion. We're not even mentioning the fact that Trump's budget director, Mick Mulvaney, at the Office of Management and Budget, has already protested the spending levels for non-defense on all of these bills. And so, you know, even if Congress comes to an agreement, we have a White House that's already hostile to the work that's on the table. So that likely means another stopgap continuing resolution will be needed. Yeah. And and agencies, of course, hate these because they can't start new programs. They have to live under current spending levels without any major changes, particularly the military. Like if they want to build some kind of new base or new installation or anything, that's technically not allowed. Um, there's there's those stories of, you know, the military having to spend money on stuff it doesn't even want to, but was put in the previous year's bill. I mean, that is the, the kind of uh, issue we're going to start talking about now, which is uh, how much the government hates doing these continuing resolutions. But due to the fact that they haven't been able to agree, this is the only way to keep the government open. And what's the biggest obstacle, Kelly, to producing some of these compromise bills more quickly? So uh, the main issue isn't really money. There's tons of money on the table because of the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018. Um, but these these things that Democrats call poison pills, these are policy writers um, that have become like a real characteristic mechanism of the House to speak their mind on different types of priorities, political priorities, through the process. Um, the House bills are loaded up with these. And the House bills are written by Republicans. A lot of them were passed, most of them were passed in party line votes. And while the Senate has done this real kind of bipartisan effort to table any controversial riders, to keep them out of committee, to win bipartisan support, the House has not done so. And part of that is just a reflection of the difference of how power works in each of these two chambers, right? The House is a majority-governed body, and so Speaker Paul Ryan is looking at ways to get his conference to approve spending bills, especially when the Democratic leaders say, hey, this process is not legit, this isn't including the input of Democrats, this is a Republican bill, we urge our members to vote against it. He has to round up all the Republicans then behind that bill. How do you do that for Republicans who don't like those high spending levels to begin with? Well, sometimes you put in stuff like, you know, blocking certain family planning dollars or you put in stuff like overturning this immigration law decision. That will help gather votes on the Republican side. But then when it gets over to the Senate, those things end up falling by the wayside often because when leadership gets together, they realize that's not an enactable position. And so that's part of the kind of jockeying that goes on on the path to enacting these bills that does take time. And that's kind of one of the main things that keeps things from going faster. And on top of all those problems, we found out last week we could have another showdown looming now over 
pay raises for federal employees that could further bog things down. What's the conflict there? Yeah, so um, President Donald Trump issued an executive order blocking a scheduled pay raise to start in January for federal workers, which triggered near unanimous outcry from Democrats who say this is an awful move. It's also difficult for some Republicans. You look at people like, uh, you look at Congressman Barbara Comstock of Virginia. She's in a really tough re-election race right now, and a lot of her constituents are federal employees. So um, for the president to block a pay raise, that's going to be on the minds of a lot of her voters. So that has to do with the financial services bill. That would be the place where they have that debate, and that's part of a four-bill minibus, as they call it, that they're also trying to work through in conference. But this, House Republicans were going along with a no pay raise. Then. House Republicans didn't want a pay raise, but the Senate outlined a 1.9% raise. So again, so that's this, another conflict. To this just added more pressure to a conference process that's already pretty convoluted. Okay, so we'll see how far Congress gets this week in getting spending bills passed and signed into law. Thanks again to Kelly Madrick, our appropriations reporter, for joining me again. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, David. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your CQ Budget Tracker. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the daily CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or NPR One. And for more budget news, subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.